0: These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This project is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Wind Down
1: with Jana Kramer and Michael Kossin, an iHeartRadio podcast. All
0: right, guys.
2: Welcome to another episode of Wind Down with Jana Kramer and Michael Kossin. I am one of your co-hosts, Mike, as you all know. And uh, I'm really taking this Mike Monday thing to a whole other level and demanding my own podcast episode. Uh, No, you know. Those of you who follow Jana know she's been working her ass off on this movie that she's shooting for a lifetime, and I just, I credit her so much because of the adversity that she's had to overcome with having pneumonia the first week, and then the past two weeks dealing with people testing positive for COVID, and false positives, and all the above. She's really just kind of been grinding away, and unfortunately, because of the the changing schedule with all of that, we weren't able to get her on here today. So I'm holding down the fort. So bear with me. Um, but it couldn't have been more perfect timing to have the guests that we have today. These two wonderful ladies talk about, um, they they wrote a book called be all in, which is all about kids and sports and parents and that dynamic, which those of you who are avid listeners to this podcast know I'm very passionate about. So we're going to talk about things with, you know, kids getting trophies for everything and how parents should, behave at sporting events and and how much to push your kid, how much to pull back. So we have some great conversations around that. Christy Rampone is a U.S. women national soccer player who spent 17 years on the team, is three time gold medalist. She's a legend in international soccer. And her partner in crime is Dr. Christine Keene, who is one of the leading neuropsychologists in her in her field. So we have some great discussions coming up. It's going to be a lot of fun. Let's take a break. And dive right in.
3: Hey there. Did you know that May is Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month? Macy's is celebrating by highlighting some cool AAPI-owned brands like Cardon, Kaja, Amelia George, and Hey Maeve. I mean, I love that a big brand like Macy's is supporting Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month. It's important. But you know what? The best reason to check out these brands is that they're just really awesome. Seriously, you need to check them out. And you know what else? You have a great opportunity to open up access to college for AAPI students and help them succeed by donating to APIA scholars. APIA is the nation's leading nonprofit organization devoted to the academic, personal, and professional success of Asian American, Native Hawaiian, and Pacific Islander students. You can donate online or just round up your purchase at Macy's when you check out. So do what you can to help. Join Macy's and round up your purchase to the nearest dollar at checkout to support APIA scholars. Shop Asian American and Pacific Islander owned brands at Macy's.com
0: or in store. What if there was someone who wanted to help you find a job, not a website, but a person in your community that would help you for free? Choose Express Employment Professionals and that's exactly what you'll get. Every home should have at least one medical emergency kit. Order yours online in minutes. Your kit will be rushed to your door. Get 15% off at twc.health/jana and use promo code jana. That's promo code jana at twc.health/jana.
2: All right guys, uh we're so excited about our guests today. Jana had to step out for a little bit. She's got a lot going on shooting a movie, but we have the legendary Christy Pierce Rampone and Dr. Christine Keene, who are here to talk about basically the future of our children. And <laughs> <laughs> and those of you who don't know who these two are, uh, Christy is known around the world as one of the most legendary soccer players in the history of the game for sure has represented us in numerous olympics has been part of the U- u.s women's soccer team for many many years and dr christine give us a little bit of your background to educate us on where your specialties at
4: so i'm a, a clinical neuropsychologist and i specialize in sports neuropsychology because for years i've been working with athletes uh dealing with sports concussion mainly so that's what led to our collaboration mm-hmm. from you know, working with athletes for so many years, and thus the parents of kids who've had concussions.
2: For sure. So how did you guys, so we're here to talk about your book, Be All In, Mm -hmm. which is about raising kids for success in sports and life. How did you guys meet and kind of learn to, you know, begin to collaborate on this project?
5: Yeah, so we, we teamed up on, you know, talking about concussion and going on the speaking tour and working on this with the same organization, and both being sports moms, and with Dr. Keene's clinical background, as well as my background playing on the field, as well as coaching for the last 20 years, and just watching this climate of sports get so emotional and there's so much pressure and anxiety within these youth athletes. Um, we just wanted to give back, honestly, and help parents through this, this guideline throughout our book to just help them, you know, have a better, kind of just a better journey with their kids through sports and trying to teach them there's more than just winning. Yes, we all want to win. We're all very competitive, but when those moments of losses come or mistakes um, that you can teach your kids so much through sports.
2: I love this topic and I was really excited to have you guys on because Jana and I, our kids are four and a year and a half, right? So we have some time, (laughs) but but Jolie's starting that age, getting into sports, getting into soccer. We're just kind of throwing everything at her, whatever she likes, she likes. And Christy, your kids are 10 and 15, around the 10 and, oh,
5: Yeah, almost 15, yes. Okay,
2: and Dr. Christine, how old are your kids?
4: I have a little bit more of a range. I'm 18, 16, and today, 11.
2: Wow. So we got all the age ranges covered right here. Oh, yes, so we yes. can solve every parent's problem right here on this episode. Right, we've today. seen it all. We've I been there, done that. I love it. So let me ask you both then, as as a newer parent, And with kids starting to get into this, you know, my background being in professional athletics for in athletics, my entire life as well, I'm asked this question only from the standpoint of, because I play professionally, people think I I maybe have the right answer or more of an opinion when really I don't, I I don't have any more of a knowledge base than, than anyone else would. But I am curious because I don't know what the answer is. All I know is I want kids to be kids. Right? right? So what is y'all's philosophy when it comes to all these parents who want to send their kids to the specialist and, and set them up for success and, and they should just play this one sport year round? Like, where do you guys stand on that kind of concept?
5: You know, we talk a lot in the book about there's like really no one size fits all way to parenting, but just being aware of your own individual children and they could have a different relationship with sport compared to your relationship with sports So just being open-minded and communicate. And at a young age, allowing them to express themselves by choosing what sports they want to play and allowing them to start their own journey rather than pushing your interests on them. You want to show them your interests and be there along the way, but allowing them to express their own individual interests.
4: You know, we really hope like parents start to like the next generation of parents could start to let their kids have some more free play. It, it seems like since we okay, started raising them, yeah. everything got so structured and there, it's almost like a child's right in their childhood to have a sport, to, to be active. And then it's like a parent's moral obligation to get them structured. So there's this whole shift away from free play. Mm-hmm. So if, if we could give any advice, we'd say like, set some time apart to just let them be and just do and just you know hang out with their friends in the backyard.
5: And you almost can see that now in this current stage of the pandemic, like a lot of kids are lost because they are so used to this structure, routine, t- like coaches that tell them exactly what to do. You know, they sign up for whether it's individual training or individual fitness, they were lost, mm-hmm. you know, and there's a perfect time to... You know prepare your child for when it does open up and have those conversations of why do you want to play sports and you know how to get outside and exercise on your own how to like play with your friends that in your small group settings and just enjoy sports
2: you know i i miss the days of i feel like maybe my age range or generation was maybe the last ones where it's like your parents are like all right go outside i don't want to see you till yeah, those, you know absolutely. the street lamps come on come back back for
5: dinner exactly
2: and it's like (laughs) you don't see that anymore and to your point it's like you want how are kids supposed to do that when they're having you got this coach on this day and this sport on this day and this and it's this is just my outside looking in because Mm -hmm. of the impact of social media and facebook and all of that my fear that i make up is that it's becoming more about the parents because the parents want to be able to post that Oh, my son or daughter is training with this coach and it's they're known to be the best, you know, goal goalkeeper coach in the in the county or the state or whatever, the best mm-hmm. quarterback coach. And it's like, is it about your kid or is it really about you being able to say that? Have right. you guys experienced kind of that same opinion or any of that?
5: Absolutely. I mean, that's the trend right now is the fear of the unknown and social media makes us all feel anxious because you somebody post something and then you wonder if you're doing the right thing and putting your child in the right situation to be successful but i always reflect back to you know some of the great players from what i've experienced and i even went to college on a basketball scholarship i was a walk-on on on the soccer team and everybody's path is so unique and i allow and i try to have that conversation we talk about that a lot in the book is like you have your early you know right out of the gate you know you could tell the athletes and then you have your late bloomers and you know you don't know which 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 direction your child's going to go in so just allow them to be themselves and just sit back and, and enjoy it. But sometimes you do have to encourage your child or push your child to do something. And both Dr. Keene and I, you know, make sure that we let our children know, like you choose, but you have to do something For like it's not going to sure. be sure. sitting in the house and doing nothing. Like, you will choose something, and if you need to help, we need to yeah, help along and the way. And and you can't we choose Xbox as yeah. an option. Like, right. <laughs> hey, mom and dad, I choose Xbox. One.
2: No, no, no. It's not how yeah,
5: professional Xbox player. You know, and just like, you know, having fun with it because right now it is so some intense and times are tough. And, you know, I'm sure you'll see the, the
4: pop up of how many elite teams. I mean, town teams have changed their name to the elite team to attract that kind of thing. Because parents are, you know, it's answering the question, am I doing enough? Okay, I put my child
5: on an elite team. But what does it mean? Who's training
0: right. your child? And what are they getting out
5: of it? And it doesn't necessarily mean the more you spend doesn't mean the better experience you're going to have. And the letting, and that's something we talk a lot. And to educate parents, it's, it's not the label. It's not the money. It's just who you're putting your child into and who's the coach and trusting that process. Because that's mm-hmm. where the emotion really does play into the fact is like, When you see your kid failing or you see your kid making mistakes and that you get anxious and then you want to blame it on the ref, you want to blame it on the coach, you want to blame it on other athletes on the field. And it's like, I think it comes deep rooted from not really trusting the process of allowing your kid to develop and grow. You just want them always to succeed. And that's, that's not part of reality, you know, Mm -hmm. and the expectation that we have for our children. We always got a kick out out of like, is the parent getting up
4: for the game more (laughs) And we get a kick out of it. We've been there, too. Obviously, we all get emotional about sports. And then especially when your child's involved. But it is something to look at. Like, am I more involved in this loss emotionally than my child is? And my child's 10. Right. And you know, what does this really mean? And what's happening with me?
2: I went to, to touch on that point. I went to these good friend of ours. Um, their oldest son is 10 years old. So he had a youth football, youth football game last fall. So I went, you know, we're really close with them. He's like a nephew to me. I want to go support him. It's like their first playoff game. And while I'm watching the game, like there's kind of some stir. I like to stand away. So I just watch the game and not get caught up in what parents are doing. And I hear this stir and I start going over there. Long story short, there was someone from the other team on their sideline videotaping like signals or the, like videotaping the sideline. So he could like report to the other side kind of what they're doing. I'm like, these kids are 10 years old and there's like a spygate issue going on. (laughs) Like, what is this world coming to? They're 10. What are you trying to win? Like, what, what is going on? What is wrong? A grown man sitting there and like grown men came up with this idea. Hey, go over there, record their stuff and let us know what they're doing. I couldn't, I couldn't even fathom like what was going on.
4: I don't know if there's a trend, but. What I see personally, my my ten year old soccer games are more emotional, and can get a little bit more hectic than the sixteen year old. And maybe it's that by then the parents, like, <laughs> parents figured <it> out, <laughs> yeah, figured it out. Like it's okay if they didn't call off sides; the, the game will go on fine.
2: It's not about us anymore. The kid's older,
5: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right? Just you found another hobby or something. Yeah, but, I mean, like to your point though, it's like, what kind of role models are these coaches? Mm-hmm being for these athletes, because those kids look over that. They're sponges,
2: mm-hmm.
4: you know,
5: like I've experienced that through my own children and traveling with the U.S. team, and they just were very lucky to be around so many female, like powerful role models that they were like taking things that were their positive away and like using it into their world today. And I just look at, you know, when you have a coach that is maybe altering, you know, maybe the guidelines to win, you know, like it's kind of teaching our kids the wrong message and, you know, they should be working on the fundamentals, the skill sets, you know, even the mental side, I'd rather them even encourage them to, you know, persevere through those tough times and the losses or maybe playing up against a bigger, bigger athlete and how to overcome that. Or, Mm -hmm. you know, those are the things that, you know, coaches should be inspiring their kids to kind of get through those moments rather than filming, you know, plays and, and sending the wrong message.
2: It's insane. And you have two daughters, right, Christy? Yes. Do they play mm-hmm. soccer?
5: One, play, uh, they both play. One plays at like a competitive level that loves it. And my younger one just plays at a non-competitive le- competitive level. Just loves to, the have, yeah, loves to have the arm slices at halftime. Right. And, like, social part of it, but like, <laughs> I love it, you know?
2: <laughs> Do they, have they voiced any kind of pressure because of who you are and uh, everything? Yeah. That
5: part of the reason that I started talking to Dr. Keen about this, because, you know, I'm on the field a lot as a youth coach, and I have parents getting crazy if they beat, you know, an Olympic athlete that's coaching against, another you know, team as well as my, you know, my child, like who, you know, who's her kid, which number is she? And then, you know, the things that parents actually say and the words they use, you know, towards my child. So I used to, you know, people would ask me like, which one's your kid? And I used to change the number up. You know, I would tell my daughter that. I'm like, oh, I think you're number nine today. Don't worry. Don't stress. Like, because mm-hmm. there's so much added pressure. I'm like, just be you. You know, like you have way more advantage. Like, you're so much, you have a better skill set than I ever did at your age. Just go with it. Be like who you want to be. Don't be your mom. Right. You know, and it, but that's, I had to have those early conversations way too young with her. And she should have been able to just have fun and be a kid and express herself on the field. But, she had all these outside distraction and voices that were interfering with who she should have been.
2: Dr. Christine, what were you just mentioning to her? about? Well, I wanted her
4: to tell you, she had a great story about a parent who walked up to her at the game. I at heard, at, this was, a, I think at this point, eight or nine years old and said, you know, I just, you know, this, this has to be a pretty good team. Did you know that Chrissy Rampone's daughter actually plays on this team?
2: You said yeah. that to <laughs> you?
5: <Christy. laughs> said it to Christy.
4: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, were you I, like,
2: no, so,
5: really? Yeah, no, really like, yeah, that's my daughter <laughs> with that orange slices.
2: That's amazing. Yeah, I
5: mean, parents get like again so caught up in like the wow and the emotion that like, mm-hmm. you're like, just they're kids. Don't forget that, like, they're they're kids and they have feelings and just know that like your words mean something. So, mm-hmm. like, when you go out there and say that, like, understand, like, you are you know changing somebody's um, true love for the game by just throwing these nasty words out and you know I'm, I'm blessed and lucky that my child's still playing sports from what everything that she's heard along the way.
2: That definitely exhibits some resiliency in your daughter being able to kind of yeah take on that pressure as much as you're trying to, you know, kind of filter all that but she's still able to play this play that sport that you played and kind of keep trucking so that's
3: awesome. So do what you can to help. Join Macy's and round up your purchase to the nearest dollar at checkout to support APIA scholars. Shop Asian American and Pacific Islander owned brands at Macy's.com or in store.
0: What if there was someone who wanted to help you find a job, not a website, but a person in your community that would help you for free? Choose Express Employment Professionals and that's exactly what you'll get. Every home should have at least one medical emergency kit. Order yours online in minutes. Your kit will be rushed to your door. Get 15% off at twc.health/jana and use promo code jana. That's promo code jana at twc.health/jana.
2: Dr. Christine, with your scientific and, and educational background around all of this, like sports psychology, how do you interact with your kids? Like, do you fi- find yourself getting too technical with things around them? Or are you like, okay, I just need to back off for a second and let my kid be a kid. If and- I
4: tried technical with them, they would never listen to a word I <laughs> said. I mean, I'm certainly hyper vigilant
5: about it, right.
4: especially after this journey with Christy and writing she this She used book. to be the
5: crazy parent. Yeah. <laughs> I <laughs> So after
4: this journey, just being able to, like, like we come off a game. Christy's my daughter's coach. She plays with her older daughter. And I would be so excited, like, what What did Christy Rampone say about this game? Mm-hmm. That's the first thing. She'd get in the car, what'd she say? But sometimes she didn't want to talk about the game. She needed time to cool down, chill out. And we, we talk about that in the book a lot, about giving your kids time to heal from the field, having some space. Because in that moment, you're emotional, they're emotional. And you need that that time to, you know, cool down, chill out, and then you can talk rationally. But so many times I know your kids are young, but you'll see, you'll leave a game and you can see the car ride home, parents yelling, kids tuning out, you know, all that happens. And it's really a great time that car ride home to, you know, you can have a really positive experience because clearly the parents care about the game, and that's your connectedness to your child. You know, a lot of a lot of dads say they really relate to their kids through the sports, Mm -hmm. you know, that's when they're, you know, talking the most to Mm -hmm. their son, you know, that's like the conversation opener or something, you know, for some parents. Mm -hmm. Um, But I I think you were saying before, like, when we were younger, our parents weren't there for a lot of the practices or like, like parents are now. Mm -hmm. And now we see, wow, this is really enjoyable. I had a whole soccer social life. I love watching (laughs) my kids play. And then I think that's where all this like kind of over-involvement um, you know, comes into play
2: for sure. And I mean, that gave me a different perspective just instantly because I was that kid in the car. My dad would read me out, you know, 90% of the time after games, what were you thinking? Why'd you do this? You know? And I would, I'll just get upset and want to tune them out. And, and almost to the point where I didn't even want them to come to games. because so I was like, just leave me right. alone. Like, give me a second to breathe. But I can also anticipate that excitement where I want to be like, Hey, let's talk about Let's talk. Like, even if it's good stuff, I want to be like, Hey, Hey, you know, but right. I'm making a mental note right now being like, okay, offer them, be like, hey, whenever you're ready to talk about the game, let's talk about it. I want to hear about your feelings, about what you saw out there, whatever.
4: i am always been the parent. I, I've never yelled on the sideline. I've always kind of chilled out. I've known enough not to have that interaction with my kids. I don't ride them. Um, but then, you know, what Christy was saying, then when I would get with her and we'd be alone, I'd say, what happened there? What was this? But so I think that's been... You know I, i've kind of known through my travels like i'm i'm vigilant of what i'm saying because i know i'm planting seeds mm-hmm. so and then through this process of writing this book i learned even more about um, like they like i tell a story of my daughter with a penalty kick and you know she's a forward so i thought i'm, I'm cheering her on saying how many points are you going to score for me but that's actually the last thing you want to be saying to a forward before they You know, the best thing for me to say is love you. Have a great
5: game. Right. And that's the end of it. So that's like a change I made that way. Yeah, putting added pressure on your kid before they perform. You know, remembering what to say.
2: For sure. A buddy of mine we're talking about one day and it's like, what else in life besides sports gives you that? Instant, like adrenaline rush, or like cheering. You like, n- there's really nothing else in life that you're like maybe gambling. Maybe, maybe gambling, right? Like you double down and you hit big. But other than that, what in life gives you that instantaneous rush of feeling and emotion? So I can, I make up that I could see why parents get so involved because it's like if either, even if they never used to play sports, but now their flesh and blood is doing it, and they just get that That's involved great and, point. and intense and everything. It's like they got nothing else in life. Work isn't doing that for them. You know, Monday through right. Friday, it's yeah. like, that's not you doing it. You can't
1: take your
5: four-year-old gambling. <laughs> yeah,
2: right, right, right.
5: Well, that's where I say, like, when you truly look at it, like, your kids are your are entertaining you, right? Because yeah. you live this, like, structure, like, too. you're going to work and work may not be the greatest thing. And, like, your outlet is to go watch your kid play. And then when it doesn't, the picture isn't painted perfectly, then we get emotional because we're like, this is supposed to be our fun time. And that's, like you know, the whole premises of the book is even when Dr. King was talking about like after a game, like as a coach, like I love to use that as a teaching moment and parents get so annoyed that I keep the players like an extra 10 minutes after the game, especially if they lost. Cause like, Oh, what does she have to say to them now? Like, can't right. you know, talk about that during the week, but those are all the points that like are fun for me as a coach to like, make sure we like wrap up what we just, what the game was. And those are the moments that I love the kids to get in the car too. And if they want to say like, this was our game plan and this is what we executed and have the parents more more engaging about that like you know than their own individual child's like you look ter-, you know you look tired out there you showed no energy and you know how come you're doing this and like questioning all that versus like kind of educating parents to be like yeah like did the game plan work like what were you thinking out there and like were you high pressing were you low pressing mm-hmm. and kind of educating their parents along the way about how the games change so much because As you know, like the game keeps evolving year after year. And can parents evolve with the game? That's that's
2: really, (laughs) that's actually really cool to to know that after the game, like you can be helping the relationship between the parents and the kids because you're coaching them almost together and like wrapping that up. So the parent knows how to talk to their kid a little bit more instead Mm of asking these questions that don't matter. Now, let me ask you on the opposite end of the spectrum. Okay, so I have a brother that's 14 years younger than me. And I remember going to his baseball games. I was like, early in my NFL days, he was playing, you know, like his first year kid pitch. And it was like in in my off season. And I remember coming to his games on like hot, you know, early summer Saturday mornings at 8 a.m. And it's like watching paint dry. I mean, especially the first year kid pitch, it's like ball, 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 strikeout. Like everyone's walking, everyone's striking out. No one's hitting the ball. How do you, as parents kind of mentally approach that when your kid is in that young infant stages of sports and you go to some of these these events and it is watching, like it's like watching paint dry. And you're like, how do you kind of stay enthusiastic and excited for your kid <laughs> when you're there? You're not enjoying it yet. Your kids aren't entertaining right. you yet. You're like, in your right. head, you're like, you feel bad. You're like, yeah, you this kind of sucks. You gotta get a
5: gambling ring on the side <laughs> right. somewhere yeah. with the other
2: parents. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs>
5: Well, first note to self, do not play on your phone. Because it's that one time your kid <laughs> looks over and you oh. your phone. You miss that one hit. <laughs> my younger daughter reminded me of that um, early on. Like, mom. You know, and then she got to the point of always looking at me. And I'd give her the thumbs up. Like, keep going. You yeah. know, like, make sure that you're you're engaged. But no, those are parents. Like, what do we say? Sports parenting is hard work. Like, and knowing that, especially at a young, boring youth game like you definitely have to stay involved <laughs> you know you have to know the score make sure you know the score and you know cheer them on and but isn't it like if you're really there for what
4: you're there for i mean in an ideal world right mm-hmm. so it's really exciting when your kid's really good but if you're there to support your child you think your emotions would kind of look the same regardless i mean obviously in sports is exciting when somebody's excelling mm-hmm. but you know whether you're there for that uh, t-ball game right you're still there for your child so mm-hmm. you would hope that there'd be some stability in how you you know saw these kids and how you know, you're proud of your kid whether they're at the football sure. or for right sure. so yeah. you're kind of pulling from that part of like why you're there like the Getting joy to of the that root parenting.
2: Of, the root of it really yeah you got
5: deep, deep. <laughs> <at the> time, <laughs> as, a, as a parent or something like you know, as a relative, to see like, do they actually really enjoy this too? Like, if it's boring to you, it's like, are they really getting something out of it? Making sure like, they're not just bored and you're bored, and does it really align with what you really want to be doing? Right. You yeah, know, the grandparents yeah, look thrilled yeah. because they're in such a different place than all of us, so For they sure. they're more in touch with that.
4: Like the, the, like not getting caught up in the game and getting caught up in like this is this. Beautiful kid that I love so much, and I'm just watching them have a childhood. So they're like more in touch with it than us, and we're like, I have to. We're I like, we got 10 other things 6:00. to do today. Like, yeah. like, can you hit a home run so I can leave? <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. on your Facebook posts. <laughs>
5: yeah, <laughs> yeah right. posts that Your kids playing.
2: Okay, now, no, yeah. This is the, one of the biggest areas of contention for me personally, just my personal beliefs when it comes to sports and kids and everything like that. With the whole thing about keeping score. Okay, winning and like some of these youth sports, there's no winners or losers. And then the whole trophy thing. Jana, I wish Jana was on here right now because my daughter, when we were living in L.A. still, she had a a dance recital. Right. And our daughter was the one that was like all the other kids were doing the the routine. Our daughter's like running circles. Right. And the teacher has has happened to like corral her back into her spot on stage. It was the cutest thing ever. we were so proud of her for going up there and doing it. And every kid got this little trophy with a spinning star on it. So we get home. I have the trophy. I was like, all right, honey, I'm just going to throw this away. She was like, wait, what? Like, what? Like why? She loves it. I'm like, tomorrow she's going to forget about this. I'm like, why are we going to keep this? Because why? Like, why can't Mm -hmm. us being proud of her, her being proud of herself be enough to show her that what she did was amazing? She doesn't need this little spinny star thing to show her that. So from both y'all's standpoints, I would love to hear how you feel about keeping score and then the whole trophy thing.
5: Yeah, for me, the trophy thing is something that you have to earn, right? And then if it's always handed to you, you don't really understand what an accomplishment really is, Mm -hmm. you know? So we're teaching them the wrong things at such an age, just something is handed to you. You're never going to know how to earn it, how to like work towards something. They're always going to expect things handed to you. So we're sending the wrong message early on as parents um, by just allowing them to win trophies. You know, that for me is um, no, no, like mm-hmm. I'm the same as you, as I take that trophy and I kind of put it away. because it's, I'll, I'll it's take the spinny star if you still have it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, that's from an athlete and knowing how hard it is to win, you know, an Olympic medal and stuff. And if we start setting up, you know, these early expectations for kids that they can't meet later in life, it's only going to set them up for failure, you know? So I, I agree with you, encourage them and be appreciative of what they've, Earned or how they got there, but just handing it to them to me is um, is not helping them in the in the long run. So I, I think in like the the
4: child development literature, you see support for both. So from you know I agree with Christy. I think there's enough organic experiences in a child's life that it, it is important for them to experience those successes. So if you keep putting your child who's maybe an average soccer player on elite teams, they're not going to experience that. And it's, mm-hmm. it's good for them to get a trophy or win. So you really could, you, you could set that up in more of an organic way. So, you know, you can, they can feel that. It's great to feel success. Um, they learn self-efficacy that way. Mm-hmm. So I think it's, it's good to have those experiences, but then not in an artificial way. Correct. Like here's a trophy. No, you lost, but no, you really won. Here's a trophy. Like how confusing is that?
2: Right. So and then, they
4: could work towards something like a Girl Scout badge. They actually, you know, so you really can find things. There's enough out there. There's enough ways, you know, for your child to succeed. The child has gifts that, you know, maybe haven't developed it. They might not be in the right activity. So that's what I would look for. So so you have that balance of both, not artificial, but more organic. I was equated yeah. to
5: school too. Like I'd love for the teachers to hand out hundreds right. for good effort. Right. You know what I mean? Like. It's the same. If you look at it like the same perspective, it's like you gotta you gotta earn your grades in school, and it's the same thing as I think in sports is you gotta earn your way to 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 winning and accomplishing, you know, a scholarship or an award or a certificate. Like that's all that's all part of it.
2: Now, with the same thing with winning and losing, and you know, because I, I feel like it's it's okay regardless of a kid's age to to understand loss. Because yeah, that's part absolutely. of life, right? If if everyone just feels like we didn't keep score, then why are they doing it? Right. You know, yeah, it's like
4: it's like age appropriate loss, right. and then again, that gets back to like how involved emotionally are you in the game? So if you're flipping out about the loss, and you have a six year old, that might not be commensurate, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So you let them feel the loss, but then it's also okay. You have a hundred more games to play within the next couple of years. You know, we'll, we, you know, you mo- you can move on from that loss. You know they're not playing the world cup at that moment
2: right, right. so i
4: think right. it's like just the age appropriate losses yeah. that you notice as a parent mm-hmm. that you know that that's commensurate with their level of understanding but they need it to mm-hmm. learn
5: as yeah, I, I say i'm like the coaching my philosophy in coaches coaching is you you train for fun then you train to learn then you train to compete and then you train to win and the winning comes is the last piece because You want to start training to win when you're, you know, in that 13, 14 age group. So if you don't ever develop, the winning is gonna be hard as you get older. If you go just for winning as a young youth athlete at eight, they're not gonna experience the development stage. And I would say like winning is a byproduct of that developing, Mm -hmm. right? So like it's a process and get there. And that's something that we try to instill throughout this book is like, you know, when you try to develop, sometimes it's going to be tough to win, but you actually win because you're learning something throughout the game. Mm-hmm. You know, for example, the other day my girls played a younger team, so I was working on low pressure, and we tied. And every everyone's like, "Oh, you tied!" Uh, you know, a team that was younger than you and maybe not as at the same level. I'm like, "Yeah, but we actually did win, and the fact that we won, and the fact that I taught them something, they digested it, and then we need to use it or implement it in a game setting." And, you know, they'll be able to do that and adjust and adapt so that, you know, that's why I think it's important to align yourself with the right coaching staff to make sure that your child is developing and growing.
2: What's your biggest thing? I make up that the 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 age of girls that you're coaching, that's probably, mm-hmm. again, in my, my personal opinion, is probably the age where, you know, you can get on them a little bit, right? So yeah, what's, what's the thing for you as a coach that you'll get on your girl's bet that'll really like disappoint you or bother you that you'll have no issue being like, look, I'm pissed off.
1: Oh, the
5: the accountability piece is huge. The eye rolling, you know, when you (laughs) get the teenage years where like you tell them something and it's, you know, no matter who you are or what coach, you know, wherever I've been, the eye rolling is a no, no. It's like you pulled immediately off the field and you got to cool down. But, you know, just as simple as like showing up late for practice, Mm. you know, and using excuse my parent didn't wake me up or my parent um, didn't get me there in time. It's like, no, no, no. Like you're responsible of your own actions. And that's huge as you get older, you know, all the emotion that you show in a game, like you're responsible for that. So those, those little moments are definitely moments that I make sure that um, is a lesson at that, at that time. And I'm very about immediate lessons. So if it happens, the players are moved right away and then we have a discussion and then we implement it back. you know, through training, and they have to earn their way back on the field. I love it. But, um, yeah, and every every week they have to earn. It doesn't matter how well they played in the last game. Like, you still got to show up and be consistent every day. And that's the accountable to piece kids need to learn because they're so used to parents doing everything for them. No question. The same thing is if they're late for practice, just text me. It goes a long way. Oh, for sure. You know, versus showing up late and, like, the shoulders going down and, like, the head coming in. And be like, sorry, coach. And, like, you could easily solve that because – I plan my practices on the numbers that are going to show up and then you disrupt my practice by being late and not showing up and then having to say hello to everybody. When you get there, you're an in interruption. So like, just let me know so that you can, you know, I can tell the, the team that you're on your way and that you're just going to jump in you know, warm up on your own, but just holding them accountable for their actions.
2: Dr. Christine, I'm going to start with you on this next question. It's, you know when kids are, are young and like our daughter okay she is competitive as competitive as yeah. Jana and i and if she doesn't win she's pissed i mean crying like i didn't win so we're trying to like teach her to like let her brother win sometimes or or you know other people are going to win and, and when someone else wins you just say good job right so she's starting to come around on it but jana and i are, we're we're kind of torn at times because we're like do we want to like bring her off of that competitiveness and like humble her? Do we want to, you know, encourage it? Or it's like that kind of like, where's like the neuroscience behind that on kind of how we can handle it the best.
4: So I, I would say to that, that you want to let her have her emotion, let her emote. Now, obviously if you see it going in a, you know, a full out tantrum or something, you want to model the right behavior, but respecting her emotion about it, obviously some kids are going to be, more upset about a loss than others. So you, so you let her do that so she can handle her emotions and then you're going to teach her ways to calm it down. So yes, I had that reaction. I'm excited about this. I'm upset about this. And then you're going to model for her how we calm ourselves down and we move on and then we can talk about it. So um, like and I, we've, we've mm-hmm. talked about this several times. We, we would not squash that or try to change it because mm-hmm. that's, that's who they are. You know, so letting her do that and feel uh, safe in expressing herself organically, you know, just her natural self. This is how she feels. But then you and uh, your wife are her role models for and this is how I calm myself down. Because you're also teaching her emotional control because there's things called mirror neurons where when someone's upset, then our brain reacts and then we start mirroring them. And she's four. So it's probably not happening yet. But when they're 16, (laughs) it's pretty easy. So then everybody's yelling. So you want to be aware of that like how am i modeling like yeah that was upsetting and then so teaching you know those ways like maybe you need to take a walk maybe you need to take a break from thinking about it maybe you need to journal it or you're not doing that at four. but um but the way you react to it and and you're teaching her how to self-soothe after if she's really upset that, yeah. that's what
5: I, yeah it says from a coaching aspect it's the hardest thing to pull from kids so i wouldn't want to take it away from her at four she's competitive mm-hmm. let her be competitive but what I say to those athletes is like how you feel when you lose is how most people feel every day. If you were competitive and you're beating them. So you got to respect like their emotions. So try to like hold back and not get so excited. Maybe when you're constantly, you know, beating your brother, you know, and Mm -hmm. you don't want to necessarily let him win, but understand like how he feels when he loses and he's not very happy and upset and just, you know, you don't want to pull too much on that competitive edge that she has, but just making her aware of other people's feelings. And then when she feels that loss, that's the time, that's the teaching moment right there. This They're like, she at your one-year-old saying, in your face, is that what's <laughs> happening? <laughs> you might want to teach her a different way of Take
2: uh, Take that, Jace.
5: I don't care if you're one. I still won. Tell, right. tell them celebrating's like the locker room, Celebrating's in a bedroom. <laughs> yeah,
2: exactly. Yeah, go upstairs and celebrate. What's, Respect the game. <laughs> I, I love it. And I could talk to you ladies all day because I just love talking about this whole stuff. And my thing is, like, I feel like you probably got this question a lot. Chris, you about, oh, do you want to coach? Do you want to coach? And obviously you're coaching now. And people right. ask me that. And I'm like, yeah, but I would never coach anything past high school. So eventually I want to I start coaching my kids. I want to coach high school. I'm scared of parents today because I'm just old fashioned. And so yeah. I'm, you know, I'm kind of anxious for those days. Cause I don't know if I'll be able to handle it as politically correct as you know, people right. expect you to. So for you personally, how have you kind of dealt with that as an obstacle as a coach with parents today?
5: Yeah. I just honestly, it's having those, that open communication on your, your outcome goal for your team mm-hmm. and like the process that your your thoughts and the process that you're gonna try to instill to get them there with the parents early on. You know, whether it's a team that's gonna be rotating playing time and if it's not, you have to make sure that's clear to the parents before saying like you're gonna earn this. Mm-hmm. You know, and some of my teams are that way. It's like they have to earn their playing time. And if they are struggling with their playing time, they have to come to me. I don't want to hear from you. You know, making the older players be accountable. And making sure that you're clear with the parents on that. Like, I don't want to hear from you. It's their time to be responsible and accountable. Mm -hmm. And the younger ones, depending on what level they're at, you know, you can still earn your playing time at a younger age. But as long as the parents know what they're setting themselves up for, it's so much easier. Because if you're honest and up front right away, it makes the journey so much easier. Because I've made mistakes where I haven't really addressed the the group as a whole of, like, what my plan was. And it's hard because when you're trying to – develop and put a lot of skill set into and the technique behind the game losses do come and when parents just want to win it doesn't align with them so we kind of butt heads and it's just like that's okay you're you know move your child on to a different team then because this doesn't align with what i want to teach because i want them to be able to understand the game as well as be able to play it
2: dr christine as a former crazy parent how, what, what would help you like as the parent, just so when I am the parent of, of you know, of, a, of, a, of my kids and, and they have coaches and everything, what would help you as the parent? Is it Chrissy's approach? Like what has helped you?
4: So uh, one of, one of my son's coaches, when he was in high school, actually, uh, at, at a breakfast with the parents, he said, I, I hope I quote him correctly. He said, you know, there's three roles. I'm the coach, there's the players, and there's the parents, and the, we have our team. We have our eighteen players, and I'm the coach. So there's only one more role left, and that's yours. And that's a supportive role. Mm-hmm. And he made it very clear from the beginning, um, you're here to support. Do not come to me with questions about playing time. If that's a you know a question you have, that's for your son to address with me. And then he made the channel of communication clear. So if you have a concern, start with the assistant coach. You can email me the good old 24 hour rule. Don't communicate with me until 24 mm-hmm. hours after a game. So he, he, he laid that out and then it was just very clear where he stood. You know, he was a high school coach, so he was able to do that. Um, we propose uh, for travel teams, creating a mission statement where collectively parents get together with the coach. Coach lays out, this is, this is the deal, this is the team, and you can also address issues like, are we the team that yells on the sidelines? Are we the team that yells at the refs because i've i've myself gotten upset at games because i have other parents yelling at reps and i think it makes the game unsafe mm-hmm. because now if you're if you've upset a ref now the refs aren't making the same calls now they're emotional mm-hmm. and then it can be unsafe for the kids so when you when you can all get on the same page because we, we do so much prep like training mm-hmm. you know all this money into getting ready for a season but then Rarely do we get together and communicate like what does this look like like we're all stakeholders in it and We can't pretend that parents aren't a big part of it because parents do so much to make all of that happen So I think it's a matter of the coaches setting up like these are my boundaries These are my guidelines and then let's talk about what this team looks like Like are we equal playing time team or are we earn your playing time team? And you know just addressing those issues because when it's when it's out there, I think ahead of the time you really clear this up you know and I think it it calms parents too to to know and because they're not wondering Mm -hmm. you know
2: that's brilliant I hope everyone really listens back to that because that's that's fantastic and again that's something I'm gonna make a mental note of as a parent as a coach and even if I have to be the one as a parent to kind of set that up I mean that's definitely something if everyone's on the same page and like you said everyone's a stakeholder that's Never heard it described that way and articulated that way, so thank you for that. That was amazing. And before I let you guys go, what's one thing each that you really hope the readers of this book kind of take from it?
5: I think the overall, one of the overall messages is just being comfortable with that uncomfortable. You know, because sports puts you in those environments where you do feel uncomfortable and just be aware of your emotions and your intentions. You know, and and there's so much more to sports than just winning. Yes, we all want to win, but there's so much more that we get out of it.
4: For me, I'd say like, enjoy the journey, enjoy the process. Um, trust because, the process. Yes. Yeah, trust the process. I mean, that's, that's what it is. It's a journey. And I think there's so many pressures and, and it's, you know, childhood is quick, it's speedy. You can get swept up. So, I mean, that's why we named the book Be All In as a reminder to be present there. You know, to be all in all spheres, mindful of what's going on and not just kind of like swept up. Because as I have a child right now in college for the first year, everybody says it, it's so cliche, it goes so fast, but sure, it really does go so fast. So to enjoy all those moments instead of looking ahead all the time mm-hmm. to like what's next, what's next, and just being present at that boring T-ball game. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Thank you, Christy and Dr. Christine so much. This was an awesome interview. I really appreciate it and enjoyed talking to y'all. Where can our listeners find this book and purchase it?
5: Yeah, right now it's on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Target, Walmart, and we have a website called beallinbook.com. That will start to update after people start reading the books and keep it current and the current times of sports.
2: I think when I, whenever I do become a coach, I'm going to hand one of these out to each parent and be like, here, this is, this <laughs> is my really mission good. statement. <laughs> here you go. Homework, take this home and read it and then come talk to me. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, you Christy and Dr. Christine so much for coming on. We really appreciate it.
5: Thank you, Michael, for having us. Of course.
2: Thanks. for Nice, you. nice Next. to meet you. Bye. Well, I hope all of you enjoyed that. Um, I wish Jana would have been able to to stay with us and be a part of that. Um, but the, I, I just really think I, you guys have heard me on here before talk about how passionately I am about, you know, kids and, and their influence in sports and kind of the mentality behind all of that. So I'm definitely going to get this book and read it again. It's called Be All In by Christy Rampone and Dr. Christine Keen. Go, go get it. Take a listen. Educate yourself before you become that crazy parent on the sideline. Because we got to remember, it's about our kids, you know. So this was this was a really cool experience to talk to them. So Jana will be back next week, and uh, we'll keep on winding down. Later, guys.
0: these statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This project is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. You know, I don't even know where to start with this because it's the comfort, it's the style, it's the whole look. That's what I love about my Takovas. This festival and concert season will be all about the boots and Tacovas is your stop before attending your next concert. All Tecovas boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend and Tecovas has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. Shop by your local Tacova's store, have a complimentary drink and shop new styles. If you can't make it to a store, just visit Tacovas.com. That's Tecovas, T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today.
1: 351 0300 and follow the Climbing in Heels podcast on iHeartRadio or subscribe where you listen to your podcast.
2: This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of
1: rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it.